one. This this one's a little a little bit difficult, um, uncomfortable maybe. It's going to recap the last few um, Ephesus. This first church we talked about. Um, they were what they called the careless church. They had lost their first love, um, their love for Jesus. They were busy working for him, and they kind of just uh, slipped away from what the heart of the matter, I guess. And, um, and Smyrna was a church, and they, they were persecuted a lot, and they had a lot of things against them, but they were the church that Jesus said, just keep doing what you're doing. You know, there was no rebuke for them. They were just, they were called the crown church is what they called them. They were just uh, being faithful and they just needed to keep going even though they were being persecuted. Then there was Pergamus who was the, uh, the compromising church. They um, um, had the teachings of Balaam which was, uh, you can't beat them, join them and then ruin them from the inside or whatever. And, uh, so they were a church that compromised, and then Thyatira, they were a corrupted church. Uh, Jesus said there was somebody there, you know, the spirit of Jezebel, that just, um, just false doctrine. And they, they, they loved everyone, and they were working hard, but their, their doctrine was incorrect, and that is, that is a problem. And uh, so this church today um, is a church of Sardis. When I started this, I thought it would be a good thing to do, but as you get into it, there's a lot of uncomfortable things. And uh, you can see all these, all these churches were churches. You know, it's easy to look at, well, look at these guys, a bunch of heathens. But these were, these were churches. These were you know, God-fearing people that you know, came together every week and, and worshiped together. And you know, they were saved. They were baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. They're all... People just like us, and, and they eventually, you know, allowed other things to sneak in, and maybe they didn't quite realize what was going on. So this is the whole point of this, and I know none of us really like to look at ourselves and say, you know, there's something that, you know, I need to fix or I need to change, and it makes us uncomfortable. Um, so I guess the point of this whole series is um, just maybe to look at ourselves in the mirror, maybe. Maybe one of these is something that we struggle with. One of these is something that we need to address. And anyway, so it gets uncomfortable, but that's what the Bible does sometimes. Uh, so Sardis, Sardis was the capital of a, a place called Lydia. It was a very important city. It was about 50 miles east of Ephesus, which was another church we've talked about. Uh, it was at a, a junction of five main roads or highways. So... It was right in the, the middle of all the traffic, and it was a center for trade. It was also a military center. Sardis was located up on a hill, a plateau of sorts, so it was safe from, from enemy attack. It was a, a strategic place to build a city because you could see anybody else coming, and you, you know, it could keep watching, all that. And it was about 1,500 feet above the main roads, and so it was hard to attack, which made it a... A great place to have a fortress, a strong place to have a city. But however, twice in the history of the city of Sardis, um, she was captured by the enemy, even though they were in a strategic location because both times the, the guards got caught sleeping. In the main religion of this area, there was the, the worship of Artemis. 
um, which is a natural cult or based on nature, um, death, rebirth, all that sort of uh, exciting stuff that people like to believe is still going on today. Um, and it was believed that gold and silver coins were first made in Sardis, which is interesting. Uh, and the economy of Sardis, however, struggled because they tried to live off the glory of the past. Um, they were known for making woolen garments, which would be addressed in Jesus' message to them. But they never ventured into any new industry. The city of Sardis, they, they made woolen clothes and, um, and that was it. And they kind of got stuck making that. And at one time, everybody wanted it. And at one time, it was very strong and, and wealthy, the city. But people moved on from that and were moving on to different things. And they were famous for it. And they had success with one thing, but that was it. And then they were kind of happy to coast along to where we find them um, at the point of this, this letter. And oftentimes with these cities, the church reflected that. And the city of Sardis at the time was a shell of its former splendor. It used to be a big, strong, thriving city, but over time it had weakened because they were content with living off the glory days. And the church had kind of adopted that themselves and become the same. They were focused on their past victories and testimonies. And uh, we can get caught doing the same sometimes. And as far as we can tell by historical accounts, there was no persecution in Sardis, which on the surface seems good, right? Nobody wants to be persecuted. Nobody wants to be beaten up and thrown in jail and attacked and abused. Nobody wants to go through that stuff. Um, nobody likes that. But in this case, it was quite tragic, actually, because without friction... There's no motion. If there's no pushback, there's nothing happening. There's no resistance. You're not moving at all. Uh, with any kind of growth or any new ideas, there's going to be some sort of resistance, some sort of push back because you're moving. It doesn't mean you need to go out looking for it and say, oh, can I, how can I ruffle everyone's feathers today? How can I get everyone all upset with me today? You don't go looking for it, but without it, you know, it means that nothing's happening. That's right. That's right. People get upset when things change. People get upset when things aren't the way they used to be or, yeah. or whatever. So there's no pushback or there's no resistance. That means that there's no moving. Nothing's growing. Nothing's um, changing. With any kind of growth, there's some sort of resistance because you're moving. You know, we don't go looking for it, but it's unavoidable without... You know, if you're growing, there's going to be some sort of friction. If you get too much friction, that's how fire starts. And you're going to lose it all. So we don't go looking for it, trying to upset everyone. Okay, this is what we're going to do. All right, next week we're going to have service at 2 o'clock and that's it. And then next week we're going to have a 5 o'clock. We're just going to mess everyone up. You know, that would be a lot of friction. It would come back. And eventually you guys would all leave. If I kept doing stupid things like that, right? Linda would leave. <laughs> no, just kidding. But you don't go looking for it. But if, if there's not, nothing, you know, that means you're not moving, you're not growing. There's nothing happening. There needs to be a balance. You can't move forward. You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere without, you know, upsetting somebody. And that's how life is. Um, 
If no one's ever upset, you're probably not doing it right. Um, even something simple, like when I worked at, at McDonald's, you know, I would come on my shift and I would, um, there was this pre-shift checklist we call it. I would have to come on a half an hour earlier or so and I would go through this, make sure everything was stocked up, whatever, and then I would do up this board for the rush hour or lunch or supper or whatever time of day it was and and so we called it the board and I would put everyone in a position where I thought, you know, it would be best for things to run as smoothly as possible because that's the whole point of the shift. And just about every time someone would complain. Oh, really? I really don't want to be on cash today. Well, like, well, you are the best person for this position. Oh, I really don't. Nobody wanted to work on the grill because it's hot and gross and greasy and nobody wanted to do that. And there's always something, I don't want to do that. And there's always, every time there was some sort of complaint. There was no way to please everyone. Just about every time someone would complain. There's always something. There's always some sort of... Um, Resistance. Uh, if we spend all our time listening to complaints and, and, and friction or pay, paying attention to all the persecution and all that stuff, we're never going to go anywhere either. Um, you know, with kids, you're like, you know, let's get in the car. And my kids, every time, why? Where are we going? How long is it going to be? Can I bring my game? And we're like, too bad. Get in the car. We're going. And they always have a good time. <laughs> Well, they don't want to go <laughs> to begin with. Same with, where was I? Anyway, with persecution. <laughs> if the world is agreeing with everything we do and everything we say, then we have a problem, which is what was happening in Sardis. There was no persecution. There was no pushback. There was no friction. We have a problem. If the world agrees with everything we do, the world, if the world, the world persecutes the church because they don't agree, and that's, as much as we don't like it, that's the way it should be. There should be some sort of resistance. Yes. Amen. Amen. The church isn't supposed to be the same as the world. The church isn't supposed to be going in the same direction as everyone else. So when we stand still or we go in the opposite direction, there's going to be some sort of friction again. There's going to be some sort of persecution. There's going to be some sort of, hey, what are you doing? That's crazy. Right? There's going to be some sort of pushback, often in the form of persecution. And if there's no persecution, that, that's a sign that we're not moving. That's a sign that we're just kind of going along with everyone else. Going the same direction as everyone else. Or we, we've stopped or we've stalled out. And again, you don't go looking for it. You don't go trying to start fights or whatever. You know, some things we, we just go and we bring it on ourselves. But... If we are genuinely, genuinely following after Jesus, there's going to be some friction. He said, the world is going to hate you. Yes. They hate me. So why do you think they're not going to hate you? Amen. There's going to be some, some, some sort of resistance. So Jesus, he gives this message to Sardis, and it's a warning to all great churches who are just living on past the glory, which is where Sardis was. And it looked bad, but there was still hope. There's hope because Jesus is still the head of the church, and he's able to bring new life. So Revelation 3 and 1, it says, And unto the angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. This starts off with a bang. 
He talks about the seven stars again, which we know are the seven pastors of the seven churches that he's writing to. And Jesus describes himself as the one who has the seven stars. He has it all in his hand. He has it all in control. He is the one who's in control. He is the one who is the head of the church. And the Holy Spirit is what gives life to the church. And that's what they needed. Amen. They were dead inside. They were as dead as a church can seem or feel. Sorry, as dead as a church can seem or feel, all it takes is a move of the Holy Ghost to get things going again. We can have the deadest service. All it takes is one person. Woo! We've been in those services, right? All it takes is somebody who's like, ah, I got enough. You got the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost starts moving, and she comes alive. That's why we need to pray. That's why we need to worship. That's why we need to repent. We need to praise and let His Spirit move and keep it going. He said, I know thy works. Again, He says this to all of them so far. I know what you're doing. I know what's going on. I know where you are. I know, I know what's happening. And He says, thou hast a name that thou livest and are dead. He said, you've got a reputation that you're alive, but you're dead. It looks like you are alive on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. And here is the thing. Healthy things grow. Right? That's how you know something's healthy. Cancer is not healthy because it kills. It doesn't grow. It stops things from growing. Healthy things grow. If we're not growing, there's a sign that something is wrong. If there's no growth, Something is wrong. And for a church, if it's constantly shrinking or stuck in one spot and not going forward, there may be a problem. I'm not just talking about numbers. You know, there's things that affect numbers. There's, there's weather, there's sickness, whatever. There's all kinds of things that affect how many people come on any given service. I'm not talking about numbers. But there should be some sort of growth happening. If not... Numerically, at least spiritually. There should be evidence of the Holy Ghost in our lives. There should be evidence of the Holy Ghost in our services, in our homes. And if there isn't, then something is wrong. And if not, we need to re-examine some things. Why not? What is going on? Are we teaching Bible studies? Are we praying? Are we ministering? Are we bearing each other's burdens? Are we fasting? Are we giving? Are we being faithful? Are we loving each other? Are we discipling others? Are we being kind? Are we in love with Jesus? Are we living right? There's all kinds of things that could be the issue. Jesus cursed a fig tree because it wasn't bearing fruit. And there's a parable about servants with talents and the one who did nothing was the one who was cast out. The one who didn't grow, the one who didn't invest, the one who didn't try anything. He was cast out. And if, as, as a church or an organization or a district or whatever it is, if we're just content with status quo and not growing us forward no more, they used to say, not developing, not bearing fruit, then we have a problem. Yeah. Which is where this church of Sardis was. So you have a reputation that you are alive. You have a name that you are alive, but you're not. Your reputation doesn't matter. What matters is that they were, is that you're bearing fruit. Mm -hmm. yes. Thou hast a name that thou livest. People say that you are 
alive. The church in Sardis had everyone else fooled. Everyone else was convinced they were fine. Jesus said, I didn't give you this, this verse, Cheryl, I'm sorry. But Jesus said to Matthew 7, 21, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. There's going to be people that have everyone else convinced that they're doing something for God. They're going to have everyone else convinced that they have a relationship with God, that are going to miss out. They look like they got it all together on the outside. The church of Sardis had everyone else fooled. They had a reputation that they were alive. They had a reputation that things were happening. But they were dead. And they had a reputation of being a happening church. Oh man, that church in Sardis is really going on there. All kinds of things are happening. It's great. They had a reputation, but it wasn't real. And Jesus was saying, I hear and I see your reputation, but I see through it. Everyone says that you are alive, but I know that you're dead. And you can fool everyone else, as we've seen through all of this, these different churches. You can fool everyone else, but you cannot fool Jesus. He sees through our Facade. He sees through the fakeness. He sees through the mask that we put on. And we can't spend our time trying to pretend like we are alive and pretend like we have it all together. Sardis was stuck in the past. They were relying on their old testimonies, the old moves of God that they had, the old things, and they were completely content with that. When we spend all of our time living in the past and staying in the past and clinging to the past, we die. Well, 50, 40, 30, 20 years ago, this happened, and that's good enough. I taught a Bible study 34 years ago. I don't need to do it again. I prayed hard before. I fasted before. I worshiped before. I ministered before, and that's good enough. I don't need to do it again. And one guy told me, not here, somewhere else, but he told me, you know, I put my time in, and that's not how it works. Somebody from outside of this province, I've noticed an attitude with people, not talking about church, just in general, people I've met, and that's good enough. That's fine, that'll do. My wife's worked at a couple places, and they're like, you know what, that's good enough. Nobody's trained, we're just going to open the business, we're going to run it, that's good enough, we'll figure it out. We can't allow that kind of attitude in the church, well that's good enough, we had to move a God... Before, that's good enough. Right? That's all I need to do. I just need to you know, pay my tithes, come sit on the pew, try not to fall asleep, whatever. That's good enough. That's all I need to do. You know, that happened, this happened many years ago. That's fine. That'll hold me. And if we're happy and content with things just being the same old, same old, never improving, never growing, never getting any better, we are in a bad place. The church is a living Organism It needs to grow or it will yes. die. Like I got the Holy Ghost myself 24 years ago, which doesn't seem possible because I'm not that old. <laughs> and if that's good enough, if, you know, that's all I think I need, I'd be lost by now. I'd be dead inside by now. It's not good enough. We need to push. We need to grow. We need to stretch. We need to keep... Working. Sardis thought they were fine because of what they'd done in the past. 
things they'd experienced in the past, but they had died inside. Although the sign on the building said church, what happened inside was far from actual church. They were dead, dull, and dry. They were using man-made programs when they should have been relying on the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. All the church's programs and and all that cannot bring spiritual life to a church. We need a genuine move of the Holy Ghost. We need His anointing upon all that we do. And I, I like planning. I like organizing. I like when things run smoothly. It drives me crazy when it doesn't. If I had hair, I'd pull it out. I'm all about organizing programs and plans and all that stuff. But we need His anointing too. We need His presence too. We need His Spirit moving too. Because religion and rituals and tradition and all that will not save anybody. Amen. Amen. The old preacher said, God's not looking for religious nuts. He desires spiritual fruit. Yes. Amen. Yes. It's not enough. Just, that oh, was good. Whatever, we're fine. Verse 2 says, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found, sorry, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. He just jumps right into here. The Sardis. There's no, hey, you're doing this good. <coughs> he just, just starts laying it out to them. There's no words of, well, you're doing this right, but you got to fix this. He's like, no, you guys are a mess. <laughs> There's no mention of doctrinal problems that need correcting. There's no mention of opposition or persecution. This is a weird, a weird one. There's not much that's going on right. Their doctrine seemed fine, though. There's no, you know, you need to fix this. You know, they had the word, but they didn't have the spirit working. We said the last couple weeks, all spirit, no word. You blow up, all word, no spirit, you dry up. And that's where they were. They were dried up. There was no opposition, no persecution. The enemy doesn't need to fight against a dead church. The enemy doesn't need to fight against a dead saint. If there's no opposition or persecution anywhere, that's not a good sign either. I know we don't want it. It's uncomfortable. But it's a sign that we're not doing something right. Sometimes. Sardis would have been better off if there had been some sort of suffering in their life. But because there wasn't, they grew comfortable and content and they lived off their past reputation. Did you ever meet someone that has like a great reputation? And everyone like bragged about, oh, this man, he's so great, he's so wonderful. And then you meet him, or her, or whatever, and they're not. <laughs> you're like, I don't see what the big hike was. Maybe that was me, I don't know. No. <laughs> you meet them, and they're not all they were cracked up to be. Because maybe once upon a time, they had been whatever people were talking about, whatever they were saying. Mm-hmm. But now they've kind of just coasted on that, that reputation. Maybe they're a shell of that former person. That's what the church of Sardis was like. They were just living off the past reputation. They had, you know, God had been moving there once. They had been alive once. They had a reputation. They had to come from somewhere. Well, they were just living off that and they had died on the inside. I don't want to be like that. Amen. Sardis was a city that once had a thriving economy, but now is in decay. They were glorying in their past and the church was no different. It was once great and now it wasn't living in the past. And what little they had left was about to die. Jesus said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. 
was all ready to come to an end. As they had gone to sleep, and we said at the beginning twice in the history of the city, the citadel of Sardis was captured both times because the guards fell asleep on their job. And in the same way with the church, if we get used to and content with and complacent with our blessings and gifts from God, we get lazy, we fall asleep, and that's how the enemy sneaks in. Israel was constantly living in the past, if you read through the Old Testament, always turning against God. Oh yeah, we did all this great stuff. We did all this, yeah, and then they just go worship other gods. And that's when the, the enemy you know, came in. It's important to be alert and watchful. First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Be sober, be awake, be vigilant. Pay attention. Don't fall asleep. Don't get distracted. Because he's looking for whom he can devour. If we are not careful, if we are not alert, if we're not watchful, our enemy will destroy those things precious to us. Amen. <clears throat> he said, I have not found thy works perfect before God. That is a hard thing to swallow. You're doing works. You're trying things. But you're doing it wrong. I don't want that to be said of me. That I know your works. I know what you're doing. I found thy works not to be perfect. That, well, the church was doing stuff. They were trying things. They were working. They weren't doing it right. Verse 3 says, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. And therefore thou shalt not watch. I will come to thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So how are they going to fix this? How are we going to fix this? And this is us. If we've allowed ourselves to, to die on the inside, we've got a reputation maybe of, you know, whatever. How are we going to fix this? He said, remember, you're doing such a good job of living in the past and holding on to the past. Remember how you came into this. Remember how you got here. Remember how thou hast received and heard. Remember how it happened. Remember what brought you in. It's easy to live in the past, to hold on to the former glory that we had, but go back before that. To when you came into this. Remember how you received and heard this message. Remember how you came into this. Into this church. Into this truth. Into this life. Remember that. Remember when that first person invited you to church. Remember that altar call when you came up for the first time. And you repented of your sins for the first time. And you were filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember that. Remember being baptized in Jesus' name. Remember a feeling. I told you about me receiving the Holy Ghost before. Many times it was a youth week. I remember Harold Linder, the preacher, he was supposed to, supposed to preach, but it didn't happen. You know how those services go. Amen. <laughs> and then we had him come back, actually, when I was in Bible school. He came for a block week to teach us on youth ministry and he remembered that service, which is pretty awesome, about 12 years later or something like that. 
I remember, I remember that. I remember being baptized the next Sunday. I wore a shirt that my grandparents had brought me back from Hawaii or Florida, one of these places. They would go, had a shark on it, looked really tough. I remember they had robes for people to be baptized, but I was so small. Well, I'm a scrawny nine-year-old. I've gained a few pounds since then. I remember that. I remember going to the Pizza Hut after because I got to pick. Yes. Obviously, Pizza Hut. I remember, you know, how it felt to be called by God. Yes. I remember you know, the burden for certain things. I remember we came home from kids' church one. No, actually, I came home from work. Sorry, I don't remember. Came home from work. Worked to close. Got a phone call from Brother Dickinson. And you crazy people wanted me to come. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and when I feel disoriented, I'm wondering why am I here? Why? You know, what is going on? I can look back at these things and remember. And that's what Jesus was saying to this church. Remember how you came into this. Go back. You're stuck living in the past and might as well remember. It's fine to look back. It's okay, even good sometimes. But there's a difference between looking back and remembering and, and, and living in the past. There's a difference. If we're stuck in tradition, that's a problem. If we're content with, you know, we had a move of God 20 years ago. That's great. That's all we need. If we're content with that, that's a problem. I remember the week before camp. Family camp, last week of June. We had a service here on a Sunday night. Woman was singing, special, everything just broke out. I remember, but if that's good enough, when we have a problem, well, we had a move of God in June, I'm good till next year, that's a problem. If we're stuck in the past, we will die. But if we don't look back and remember, we'll die too. We need to reset sometimes. Right. Remember how we came into this. Remember where he brought us from, how he saved you. Right. Do how that and remind yourself yeah. and use it to move forward. That experience you had, somebody else needs to have it. Right. That conversion that you experienced, someone else needs to experience it. That move of the Spirit, our kids need to experience that. Amen. The Bible study that somebody taught you, somebody else needs to have that. Amen. Remember that. That's how we come alive again. Remember. The truth transcends time, culture, and race, and it's powerful enough to reach and save everyone, anyone. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast. Don't let go of it. Hold on to it. Hold tight. This truth, don't let go of it. The first step toward renewal in a dying church is an honest awareness that something is wrong. And to go through any kind of recovery program, the first step is admitting that there's a problem. Right. And when something is alive, there's growth, there's repair, there's reproduction, there's power. And if any one of these things are missing, there's a sign that something is wrong. It's either dying or already dead. So remember, hold fast and repent. Remember how you came into this and turn back to that. Repent. The key to all of this, to every church so far, except for Smyrna, because they were okay. Every church so far, 
Whatever their problem was, the response was repent. Turn to God. Confess. Admit. Give it up to Him. Give it over to Him. If you lost your first love, like Ephesus, repent. If you've been corrupted, like Pergamus, repent. If you've compromised, like Thyatira and Pergamus too, repent. If you're asleep, like Sardis, repent. If you're lukewarm, like Laodicea, coming up soon, repent. The church in Sardis have fallen asleep and they were dead and at risk to lose everything. They were dead and not reaching out and that implied that they weren't witnessing and because of that they weren't growing. He said, remember how you received and how you heard. Because they were not witnessing, there was no friction, there was no opposition, there was no growing and because they were not growing, they were dying. They had fallen asleep. I don't know if you guys remember Keith Green. He was a singer back in the 70s. Uh, he had a song. I'm going to read you the lyrics. Asleep in the Light. You might have probably heard it. Um, it says, do you see? Do you see? All the people sinking down. Do you care? Do you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb? Not to care if they come. You close your eyes and pretend the job is done. Oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, Lord. You know that's all I ever hear. No one aches, no one hurts, no one even sheds one tear. But he cries, he weeps, he bleeds, and he cares for your needs. And you just lay back and keep soaking it in. And can't you see such sin? Because he brings people to your door and you turn them away. And as you smile and say, God bless you, be at peace. And all heaven just weeps. Because Jesus came to your door and you left him out on the streets. Open up, open up, and give yourself away. You see the need, you hear the cries. How can you delay? God is calling, and you are the one. But like Jonah, you run. He told you to speak, but you keep holding it in. Oh, can't you see such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark, and the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so dead when you've been so well fed? Jesus rose from the grave, and you can't even get out of bed. It's a hard one. <laughs> How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job is done. And we can get so comfortable that we fall asleep and we miss out on what God has called us to do and what God has chosen us to do. And Sardis was busy doing works and doing things, but they were so dead. They were dead and their priorities were wrong. And the church should be where people come and they get saved and they're healed and they're delivered. Where broken hearts are repaired. Where hurting people are healed and restored. Where lives are changed. But we can get so used and comfortable with the things of God that we end up losing out with Him. Verse 4 says, Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And once again, even in this church, and he says was dead, there were some people that didn't compromise. There's always a group that seems to hold on. There's always a remnant that holds fast when no one else is. The remnant, a remnant of faithful people often remain even in a dead and dying church. And there was some life left in the church of Sardis. They were working and doing something, even though it was feeble. And not all it could have been. And Jesus told them to strengthen what they had left and not give up. Because right. where there is a remnant, there is hope. He uses the word garments here to imply the 
Not only do we clean up our hearts and minds when we come to God, but we also allow His love to clean us up on the outside, too. The old song, you know it, says, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Jesus loves you where you are, but He's not going to leave you where you are. He always takes us higher than the pit that we are found in. Thank you. He says, wake up, be watchful, Repent, remember the word that you received, and obey it, stay faithful. And that's how we have a move of God. Amen. Yes. If church is dead, wake up. Yes. Be watchful. Yes. Repent. Yes. Remember how you came into this. Remember the word. Obey it, stay faithful. It's good to guard our heritage. It's good to guard our history and remember it, but we can't embalm it and try to preserve it. We need to keep on going. Right. Revelation 3 and 5 says, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Again, he mentions the white clothes. and This symbolizes the purity of God's blessing upon us for you know, maintaining godliness and truth while we're here on earth. <clears throat> the next part of the verse is, If I overcome... It says that if I overcome, you know, me or you, if we overcome, we'll never have our name erased for the book of life. The same um, kind of theme through all of these letters to the church. There's some that have been faithful. And he says to those that have been faithful, keep on. Hold on. Keep going. Don't quit. If you've fallen away, repent and come back. If you've stayed, stay. <laughs> keep on staying. There's a reward in heaven waiting for you. Jesus said in Luke 10 and 20, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but re- rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Jesus told his disciples to rejoice because their names are written in heaven. And he kind of repeats it here. He says, stay true. I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know what you've been through. I know where you are. Stay true. The warning to this church is, the warning in this church's message is that we don't grow comfortable or we will find ourselves slowly dying. We stay in the past. We're just happy with how things were five months ago, 20 years ago, whatever. We're just happy with the way things were. We'll find ourselves slowly dying. We need to constantly be growing and stretching and moving forward and working for Him and loving Him and worshiping Him and living for Him and following Him. As Jesus is moving, and leading us, and we need to follow Him. Yeah. Can't be content and say, you know what? I like what you did right here. I'm going to stay right here. There were times when Jesus fed multitudes of people. It's pretty awesome. But He left. He moved. Those people would have stayed there. They would have died. And they continue to follow Him if they were going to continue to be fed or go home or whatever. They would have stayed in that field. There was no food there. But Jesus is moving and leading us. The people in Israel, you know, wandering through the desert. And what I like is I don't want to move my tent again. The manna and the quail was following everyone else. Right? Well, I like this tent. I don't know. It's a nice look, nice view. They wouldn't have lasted. They would have died. We need to follow him wherever he's leading. 
can't be content and say, you know what, I like what you did here. I'm going to stay here for now. I'm going to camp out here. We need to keep following him. In Revelation 3 and 6, he says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Again, same as all the other ones. Hear it. Take it in. Apply it. Use it. Respond to it. What can we learn from the church of Sardis? Church is what you make it. Right. Don't be dead. Right. <laughs> Pay attention to our spiritual condition. Your reputation doesn't matter. God sees through that. The spirit is more important than any program that we can run. And overcomers get their name in the book of life. If you're here and you're faithful, keep being faithful. And maybe you've died a little inside, I don't know. Repent. Remember where he brought you from. Repent. Turn back. And let's not be happy to live in the past, but constantly be growing. Constantly moving forward. If there's no resistance, if there's no whatever friction, whatever. That means we're not going. Don't go looking forward or go light a fire and roll the eye, but <laughs> anyways. Let's all stay. I hope that made sense. It was a little intense.